Hey everyone, thanks so much for letting me join you today. I am so grateful that our elders are praying for God's direction as we move forward uh, toward the tail end of this pandemic, and I hope that's where we are. I hope we're getting toward the end of this. But as businesses open up and as people talk about the future as far as school and work and finances, we're going to need God's guidance so we know what to do. And fortunately for you and me, inside the Bible, there is a, there is a whole lot of teaching about following the Lord's guidance. And in particular, there's a story in the book of Exodus that tells us how God guided his people after they'd been out of circulation for a while. And I want to talk with you about that today because in that story, there are a lot of valuable principles that apply to you and me. Because during times like this, God not only wants us to survive, he wants us to thrive. And if we depend on his guidance, he'll show us exactly where to go and show us the best direction for our lives. Will you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity for us to meet today. We're still not able to worship in person, but I'm grateful we can worship together online. And I pray, Lord, that every word that I say today will be encouraging and will remind us of how much you love us and how much we need your direction. Teach us, Lord, from your word what we need to know about trusting you more and following you closer every single day of our lives. Move me out of the way, Lord, and say whatever you want said to us. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Well, as I mentioned, there's a story in the Old Testament. It's from Exodus chapter 33. And it, uh, to, t- to set the stage for it, I want to remind you that the Israelites had been socially isolated for about a year, and, it was, and God told them it was time for them to get going again. They had been rescued from slavery by God's man, Moses. And uh, through Moses' leadership, they had escaped slavery from the Egyptians, where God had sent all these plagues upon them, and they'd crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. And then they ended up camping at the base of Mount Sinai, the mountain where Moses received the Ten Commandments from the Lord himself on stone tablets. Well, they stayed there at the base of that mountain for about a year, and after that year was after, after the time was up there, the Lord told him it was time to get going again. Well, here's exactly what he said. He said, the Lord said to Moses, get going. You and the people you brought up from the land of Egypt, go up to the land that I swore to give to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I told them, I'll give you this land and I'll give it to your descendants. And I'll send an angel before you. So go up to this land that flows with milk and honey. Now, what you need to know here is, is that God used this time in the lives of his people very well. They were able to set up a very developed form of government. They were able to put together a portable temple called the tabernacle. God had given them all the instructions for that. They were able to train priests and develop a whole sacrificial system so they could relate rightly to God. And that was time for them to move on. But I want to point out that God uses times like that in our lives too. He uses times of isolation to mature his people and help them get organized. Many of you have sent me emails and or you've posted, I've seen posts on social media where you've told me, hey, surprisingly in this time, God has shown me a number of things that I can do better at. I can relate better to my spouse and my kids. I've learned a whole new way to get my work done. I'm actually better organized than I was a month ago. And if God has shown you some things during this time, well, then give him thanks, because that's a big part of what God does when we face setbacks or times of isolation. He uses those times for us to have time to think and time to pray and time to grow a little closer to him. In James 1, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, then consider it an opportunity for great joy. 
For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. Because when your full endurance is fully developed, then you'll be perfect and complete, leading nothing, needing nothing. We can be mature. And so God uses times like this to help us grow up in important ways. But it's also important to note that God loves his children and he wants us to love and trust him more than anyone or anything else. I say that because in his instructions to Moses, when he said, hey, it's time for you to get the people moving. Here's the next. I read you Exodus 33 verses 1 and 2. Here's Exodus 33, 3. He also went on to say, but I won't travel among you for you're a stubborn and rebellious people. If I did, I would surely destroy you along the way. If you're wondering, well, what's that going to, what's that all about? What's going on there? Well, in Exodus 32, the chapter right before this, we see Moses climbing up that mountain, and God called him up to the top of the mountain for about a month and a half, for 40 days. And that's where he received those instructions about the tabernacle, and he received instructions about the Ten Commandments. Well, while he was gone, after he'd been gone a few weeks, the people thought, Maybe Moses had died, and so they went to Moses' brother Aaron, and they gave him lots of gold jewelry, and they said, hey, make an idol for us. And so Aaron took all the gold and melted it down and fashioned it into a golden calf. And then the people set it up and started worshiping this little idol. And God told Moses on top of the mountain, get down. The people have already forgotten all about me, and they're, they've turned away from me. And they'd only been oh, out of Egypt less than a year. In fact, uh, when uh, God had given those commandments to Moses, the first two read this way: "I am the Lord your God who rescued you out of uh, I rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other God but me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or in, on the earth or in the sea." And what God said, He said, "Look, I am God who rescued you, not this idol." And don't try to make an idol of me anyway. You couldn't describe me if you tried. Um, there's nothing on earth or in the air or in the sea that can do any justice to me. He had proven that he was the mightiest force in the universe when he had taken on the Egyptians, who were a superpower of the day. Their whole army had been crushed in the waters of the Red Sea. He had defeated all the gods in the pantheon of the Egyptians. They worshiped gods that looked like bulls and they worshipped a god that looked like the sun and another god that was the god of the river and he turned a river to blood and, the, and he put the, made the sky pitch black so you couldn't see the sun for three days. He showed that he was stronger than all or any ideas of God could ever be that we could come up with. And he said, don't go back that way. I rescued you from that. Love me. And it broke his heart when the people turned against him. And he said, you, you made a cow. Why would you think I look like a cow? I mean, it is so insulting to the creator God of the universe. I mean, if I found a lovely picture of a, a cow that had red hair, and I showed it to my wife, and I said, you know, I'm going to hang this picture up in my office because this cow's lovely red hair reminds me, reminds me of your lovely red hair, I don't think she would be pleased, even if it was a beautiful cow. And if, they, if you understand that, how insulting that would be to my wife, imagine how it feels toward God, the creator of the universe. Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. I mean, that's what God wanted his people to know. I'm the Lord your God. I rescued you. Worship me. I love you. Love me back. 
And so he told them, look, I'm going to send an angel before you, but I'm not going to go because you're too stubborn and stiff-necked. And if the wrath of God were to pour out on you, you would die. Well, that brings me to the second thing I'd want to point out for you, to you from the story today. And that's that Moses didn't want to go anywhere unless God went with him. And when God said this, Moses said, well, if you don't personally go with us, then don't make us leave this place. I know we're not in the promised land. We're here out in the middle of nowhere at Mount Sinai. But if you're not going, then I'm not going. I mean, Moses understood rightly that the Lord is a trustworthy guide for our lives. I mean, he is a trustworthy guide. And Moses said, I, I don't want an angel to go in front of us. I want you to go. You're the creator God of the universe. You know all things. He had seen God rescue his people. He had seen God do all those miracles, and he wasn't trusting anyone or anything else. Psalm 32.8, well, David knew this too. In fact, I want to read you uh, three different pieces of the Psalms with David wrote, where David talked about how trustworthy God is in guiding our lives. In Psalm 32.8, he said, I'll guide you along the best pathway for your life. I'll advise you and watch over you. And David said, that's what the Lord says. In Psalm 37, it says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. And when the Lord is guiding us, you can picture us as little children, and God is walking with us, holding our hand. And even if a little child stumbles and it's about to fall, well, if mom or dad has a hold of the hand, the child might stumble. They're not going to hit the ground. The parent who loves them isn't going to let that happen. And God says, that's the way I'm going to guide you. Stay with me. Trust me. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. And even when I walk through the darkest valley, I won't be afraid. For you're close beside me, your rod and your staff. They comfort and protect me. Man. If we could learn to trust God the way Moses did, the way David did in these Psalms, God's going to lead us to the right place at the right time. And even when we go through scary times, he's going to be right there beside us. This is what you and I need to understand from this story. And as we move forward now and things begin to open again, and it's kind of scary, we're unsure of where to go. If we maintain a relationship with the Lord, he says, I'll go right beside you and I'll guide you along the best possible path. Now, it's important here, a couple of things I want to remind us of. First of all, you and I don't need to trust anyone but the Lord to guide us. I mean, God is a trustworthy guide, but he also reminded the Israelites, hey, there are no other gods besides me. And we don't need to put our trust in anything else. We need to trust God first. There's a path before each person that seems right, but in the end, it leads to death. We don't even need to trust our own judgment, and many times we do. I mean, even when God's word is very clear about something, we'll still go, nah, I think I still need to go my own way. And we are warned um, that that is, in Proverbs 14, that's the wrong way to go. In Psalm 127, it says, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. And unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. So as we move forward now with plans, it's important to commit our plans to the Lord, seek his direction, 
And when he shows us what to do, well, they'll succeed. But if we go our own way, hmm, it'll end in disaster. Now, I want to draw an important distinction here that following the Lord is following a guide. And that's different than using an app. I mean, we live in the days of incredible technology. On my uh, phone, I have Google Maps. I love it. It has saved a lot of fights when my wife and I are traveling. Because <laughs> now, instead of saying, do I turn here or there, and we could disagree, we just let Google Maps decide, and we just go that way. The thing about an app is, is that I choose the destination, and I, if it gives me multiple routes, I choose the route. And if I don't like where it's going, I turn it off. It's my app. I'll use it if I want. I won't if I don't. Well, that's completely different than a guide. Uh, the best illustration I can think of for this is that when Debbie and I first started in ministry, our first ministry was in Houston to high school kids. It was an outreach ministry uh, through Young Life. And part of that ministry every summer was involved camping in the mountains. We would take a group of kids uh, backpacking. Uh, for a week in the Rockies in Colorado. We'd start on one side of a mountain range, and seven days later, we'd end up on the other side, and a van would come pick us up. Well, we didn't know our way through those mountains. Uh, they gave us maps, but uh, that wouldn't have been sufficient at all. What happened was they, they assigned us not only one guide, but two in case one of the guides got sick. We'd have somebody or injured in some way. We'd have a backup, so we'd be sure to get to the other side, and that was important for us. But I learned something really quick about those guides is that the guides were the people in control. And I was glad uh, because they were the ones who knew the best places to camp. They'd make sure we camped beside places where there were water, where there was water to refill our water bottles, where there'd be shelter if there was a storm. And I remember one time we were hiking and we came out across an outcropping of rock and a thunderstorm came up really quickly as they sometimes do in the summer in Colorado. And the static electricity was so thick, all the hair was standing up on my arm and hair was standing out from uh, our heads. And uh, we asked our guide, what's going on? He said, well, there's a storm coming. This is static electricity. And right here in the open, we're the tallest things. And so we need to get to Timberline. We need to get among those trees as fast as we can. And it was doubly important for me because I was the tallest person in the group and I had a tent pole sticking out of my backpack. So I was like a giant lightning rod. <laughs> and so we were booking as fast as we could for those trees. And I was grateful for a guide who recognized something going on that I didn't even understand. There were other times when we would ask our guide, hey, is this the quickest route there? Couldn't we get, if we're going up to that ridge, couldn't we just go this way? And they go, well, you could go that way if you were an expert mountain climber, but you can't handle it. So we're going to have to meander our way around. We're going to have to go miles around because that's a pace you can actually go. Well, that's what the Lord does for us. There are times in our lives when he knows way better than we do what we can handle. And he has us rest. Or he has us take shelter. Or he has us go a long way around. Because he knows that's the best way to get us safely home. That's different than an app. On the app, I just want the quickest route. And I want, I want to find at least a Chick-fil-A or a Starbucks on the way. Maybe both. Well, the Lord says, I'll guide you along the best pathway for your life. I delight in every detail of your lives. I will watch over you. And even if you stumble and fall, I'll catch you. 
And even if you go through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll be right there with you. Don't be afraid. Come with me. Follow me. One more scripture on this. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Now a yoke is a wooden beam that's fitted across the neck of two animals, allowing them to pull together. When Jesus, said, take my, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, he says, hey, put your neck under the beam with me. That way we'll pull together. This is way too heavy for you. It's way too hard for you. Pull when I pull. Stop when I stop. If I turn left, you turn left. And I promise you, I'll guide you beside still waters and green pastures, and we're going to get there the best way possible. So the question for you and me is, do I want God's guidance more than anything else? I mean, Moses did. But some of the rest of the people in the Israelites, yeah, not so much. Well, the third thing that I'd point out in this story is, is that Moses wasn't worried about moving forward because he met with God regularly and talked to him about everything. I mean, Moses trusted that God would guide him. He also trusted that God would communicate with him. A few more verses from Exodus 33. Now it was Moses' practice to take the tent of meeting and set it up some distance from the camp. Everyone who wanted to make a request to the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. So basically a portable prayer room. And whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up and stand at the entrances of their own tents. They'd all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. And as he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover at its entrance entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. And when the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they'd stand and bow down in front of their own tents. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. And then afterward, Moses returned to the camp. And this was a spectacular thing. The way the Israelites knew it was time to move is there was a pillar of cloud. It represented God's presence with them that stretched from the camp way up into the sky. During the day, it looked like cloud. At night, it turned into a pillar of fire, so it was a giant nightlight for the whole camp. I mean, it was really pretty amazing. And whenever it was time to move, the cloud would move at a pace that they could keep up. And then when the cloud stopped, they would just set the camp up directly under the cloud. That's how they knew where to go and how far to go and when to stop. The Lord was literally guiding them every step of the way. Well, in addition to that, Moses, God's chosen leader for his people, received specific instructions from God in this tent of meeting. God would talk to him out loud, talk to him as a friend, talks to a friend. And the people were amazed at this. They go, when Moses goes out there, God's talking to him. Oh, I wish I could do that. Well, the reason I share this story with you is, is because there's good news for you and me. As God's children... We don't need to be moving forward because we can talk to God about everything anytime we wish. We have a different relationship with God than the Israelites in that camp. They were still worshiping God under an old sacrificial system where animals had to die to pay the penalty for their sins and sacrifices had to be offered over and over again. Because even though the penalty was paid for the sins, it wasn't paid permanently. 
And people were still trying to conquer sin through their own strength. And every time they would fail and fail and fail. And they longed for the day when a permanent sacrifice could be made and when they'd be able to have the inner strength to change from the inside out so they could stop sinning and become the people God wanted them to be. Well, that's what happened when Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He paid the penalty for our sins in full. He rescued us from death itself. And when he ascended to heaven, he said, I'm going to ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit to you, and he will be in you, and he'll transform you from the inside out. He'll give you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So even though we may not hear God's voice speaking out loud to us, we can receive instructions from the Lord, and we can meet with him every day. We can talk to him and hear from him. Here's how. First of all, um, we can go to God's word. This is 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what's right. When you and I spend time together um, reading God's word, then you and I can get a good grasp of what God is trying to tell us. And his word will speak to us. The same Holy Spirit who lives in us is what inspired, is the same Holy Spirit who inspired the men who wrote the Bible to write the words on these pages. And so as we read them, God will make his instructions clear to us. In 1 Corinthians 2.16, it says, Who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to understand him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. And Paul says, we have, because the Holy Spirit is inside of us, he'll help us understand what's written in God's word. He'll help us understand God's direction for our lives. And we don't have to ever worry about walking into God's presence because in Hebrews 10, it reminds us, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly go into the most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened up a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. So let's go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts fully trusting him. We can know what God wants us to do if we spend time with him every day. Uh, there are so many days as I read God's word where I feel like he is speaking only to me. I'll read a story and it'll be exactly what I need to hear about trusting him, exactly what I need to hear about forgiveness, exactly what I need to hear about walking out in faith and making an important decision in my life. And so when I spend time with him and in reading his word and in prayer, I can understand God's thoughts. I can actually know his mind on these things. And so can you. But there's a life application I want to uh, remind us of real quickly here. And that's this, that a growing personal relationship with Jesus is going to require time and effort and daily surrender. Moses went and set up that portable prayer room outside the camp, and he would go out there and meet with the Lord. If you and I are going to do business with the Lord, we're wise to do the same thing, to set up time where we can go meet with him. And not only do we have Google Maps on our cell phones, we have a thousand other apps as well. And unfortunately, we can waste all our time. We can eat up our whole day and not have any time left to talk to God. In 1 Peter 4, 7, Peter said, Look, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. This is terribly important. And some of us have discovered over the last month or month and a half that we've allowed a lot of things to clutter our lives. There's a great little post on Facebook last week where 
It was from goodlivingguide.com, and it says, After years of wanting to thoroughly clean my house but lacking the time, this week I discovered that that wasn't the reason. <laughs> I can relate to that too. I mean, there are all kinds of projects that I've had around our house and other things, and I can say, man, I just haven't gotten to those yet. Well, my social calendar has been disrupted about as much as it's ever going to be disrupted, and probably so is yours. What if we said, after years of wanting to thoroughly read the Bible but lacking the time, this week I discovered that wasn't the reason. I have time, I just don't have the self-control. I mean, if I can quote the Tiger King, but I can't quote anything I've heard from the King of Kings in the last week or two, that's a priority issue. And you and I are going to need to set up time and have self-control in order to make sure we have time to listen to the Lord. Psalm 143.8, one final verse on this. Let me hear of your unfailing love each morning, Lord, for I'm trusting you. Show me where to walk, for I give myself to you. I mean, this is what we're talking about, setting up a time every morning and saying, God, before I go out into the day, before one single distraction has a chance to get my attention, I'm coming to you. I'm going to spend time in your word because I want you to speak to me. I want your mind on this, Christ. I want to hear from your word. I want to follow your direction. These are the things on my calendar today, but Lord, what do you want to teach me today? And we pray, and we listen, and we write down a few things in a journal. If you need help with any of this, we would love to help you. Just contact us at centeringlives.com or leave us a message down below on social media and tell us, hey, I'd love to get started on a Bible reading plan. Or I'd love to know how to journal or how to pray. Over the next uh, month or so, each day on Facebook, I'm also going to be posting a short video of, uh, just with, of me praying. I'm going to invite you to join me. We're going to pray for a whole host of topics that will all be related to us moving forward, about finances, about work, about school, uh, for cures for the COVID-19 virus, for um, governmental leaders, you name it. Each day we're going to pray for another component of things that are involved with us moving forward. Just for a few minutes, and if you join us on social media, I know you'll be greatly encouraged. And even if you've never prayed with anyone before, you can join me, and I hope it'll help you. But today, as we wrap up the service, I just want to have, or as a wrap of this message, I just want to have a word of prayer with you and ask God to bless us, that he'd give us self-control and discipline so we'd have time, so we'd make the time and have the self-control to spend time in his word, that we'd sit still and listen, and that we'd focus on what he has for us, and that when he gives us a clear direction, we'd have the courage to follow him no matter where he leads us. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, I thank you for the opportunity uh, to meet together today. I pray, Father, that your will will be done in our lives, that you will guide us, and that we'll trust you. Lord, you're the one who watches over us. You're the one who delights in every detail of our lives. You're the one who promises to guide us along the best pathway for our lives. So God, we just trust you. I pray that you will give us self-control. Lord, you love us so much. And Lord, you want what's best for us more than we do. Lord, we thank you for rescuing us from sin and death. We thank you for adopting us into your family. We thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to empower us to live life the way we always wanted to. And we thank you for going ahead of us and showing us the best way to go. 
Lord, we pray that you will convince us of these things and that we will never go anywhere unless you go with us. In the name of Christ we pray, amen.